changing and almost having a subtitle on this one, being unshakable in a shakable world. Um, you know, there's a, a, a story that you probably knew as a, as a child about the three little pigs. And the three little pigs decided they were each going to build their house. And the first one built his house out of straw. And the other brothers helped him, and that was his choice. The second pig chose sticks, and they built a beautiful little condo near the lake with sticks, and it was a beautiful house. The third brother decided to build bricks, and he built his house. And as you may or may not recall, depending upon how old you are, there was a big bad wolf, who's also Satan. And big bad wolf comes and says, I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down, okay? And if you're a Bugs Bunny fan, it's blow your house down, if y'all remember that one. Okay, so he comes to, so, so the, Satan, the big bad wolf, comes up to the stick house. He says, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff. And guess what? He destroys that house. He walks up to the house made of sticks and huffs and puffs, and he blows, and that house fell. But he comes up to the house made of bricks, and he huffs and he puffs, but nothing happens. So he huffs and he puffs again and nothing happens. And he huffs and puffs again and nothing happens. And what is the difference between these three pigs? Because they all had the same circumstances. They all faced that same big bad wolf that was huffing and puffing and blowing, but it was what they were made of made the difference of whether their house stood or not. And what we are made of is going to determine how we stand in a very shakable world. We've been on a series talking about being unshakable. We are no different than Billy Graham. We're no different than Adolf Hitler. We have the potential for good and we have the potential for evil. But what's inside of us makes the difference. It's Jesus Christ inside of us that gives us strength. It's the Word of God inside of us that gives us power and authority. So that when Satan does come into our world, we start declaring the word. He sees the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of our little brick house and says, oh, we can't do anything on this one. We'll go to another house made of sticks or straw. It's God inside of us that helps us to stand. But I want to look at the word unshakable because I'm not talking about perfect people. And I'm not talking about people that are without error, who, who are never going through trials or temptations. That's not being unshakable. Being unshakable is when you're consistent when you're going through trials. When you're persistent when you're going through struggles. When you keep going when the wind is blowing hard. When you stand for what's right when everybody's bowing to what's wrong. I'm going to say that one again. When you're standing for what's right, when everybody's bowing down to what's wrong, that's being unshakable in a very shakable world. What do I mean by a shakable world? Every week, we hear of the economy, companies downsizing, laying off people. That's a shakable world. Any one email can change your instant future in a second. We also talk about politics, social issues. We have same-sex marriages being pushed to the majority, legalization of marijuana, immigration, 
I mean, we can go through any one of these topics. We have racial riots happening in Missouri right now, not, not 20 years ago, right now. That's being in a shakable world. In fact, if this country doesn't repent, we're going to be the divided states of America and not the United States of America. Because we're already seeing states already saying, well, this is the way we are and this is the way you are and this. There's no unity. We need leadership. We need God in this country. Let's talk about the church. Church has just as high a divorce rate as, as the world. There are hurting people in the church just like there's hurting people in the world. Because pulpits are not proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. We're producing a, a candy-coated message of just, oh, God is good, God loves you no matter what you do. And that's true. But there's also ways that we can strengthen ourselves in God's word. Be used by God. Did you watch the news last night? I didn't. <laughs> because it's just story after story after story after story and incident after incident after incident. And they get more horrific. And I'm thinking, how do these people think of these situations to even get into? I have learned one thing, though. If you go outside without a shirt, you're going to get arrested. Because everybody that's getting arrested is not wearing a shirt. So please, wear a shirt. If you're even going to go out and get in trouble, you have a 99% chance of not being arrested. But you go out shirtless, you could just jaywalk. And man, they're going to be on you with TV cameras. So just, just I'm learning this, okay? So we're in the midst of a shakable world. So where do we go? We go into God's word, and fortunately there are some great examples of unshakable people that went through shakable times. We've been looking at Daniel. Now I want you to first realize that Daniel was taken, we, in the first message that we did on this, Daniel was taken uh, out of his land about 1,500 miles, which we figured, remember, was from Dallas to New York City, okay? We, we did the map quest. So it was a different culture up there. They wanted, now I just want you to think about this. You're, you're not sleeping in your own home anymore. You're not attending your own church anymore. You're, you're, you're not eating the foods that you used to eat. You, you don't know the people you used to hang out with. All of a sudden, we're going to change your name. Randy, you're no longer going to be called Randy. Since you're living in New York, we're going to call you Vinny, because everybody up in New York is called Vinny, right? So you're now Vinny, okay? Forget about it. So the thing is, is all of a sudden, your whole culture just changed. That is being in a shakable world. When everything that you knew, everything that you enjoyed changed in the matter, and now you're living in a foreign land under a foreign king, having to make big decisions. He's stripped of everything. But we get a glimpse of that. If you remember that first message I preached on it, they were offered food from the king's table. And they were not going to defile themselves by eating the food from the king's table. They knew that if they ate that food, it could have been either offered to idols, it could have been uh, butchered in the wrong way. But they knew that if they tasted the sample... They would desire it tomorrow. And that's the way sin is always going to come into your life. Sin is going to come in as a free sample. It'll make you feel better. This will make you happy. This will make you forget. This will make you giddy. This will make you hungry. I don't have that problem. But the thing is, <laughs> it's always just a free little sample. But just like in the food court, you know, they hand you that free little sample with a nice little toothpick in it. And you think, I even got a free toothpick out of this whole deal. But the meal is going to cost you. 
And that's how Satan will always come into your life. And that has been running through so many times. I'll be going down something, and all of a sudden, God is speaking to me. He said, Mark, that's a sample. Don't deal with it. I'm like, okay, God, that's a sample. Don't, don't, because what you sample today, you desire tomorrow. And if they knew that if they'd eaten the food, they would crave it. Of course, it was a bountiful table, but they stuck with vegetables and water. Chapter 2 of Daniel, we see that he's a, he gives an interpretation to the king's dream and saves a majority of his, his staff. But in chapter 6, we still see that he's been promoted, and now a new king has come in. King Darius has come in, and if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Daniel 6. Daniel 6, verses 1 through 9. Darius decided that it would be good to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Over these satraps were three officials, and Daniel was one of these three officials. The satraps were to report to these three officials so that the king wouldn't be cheated. This man, Daniel, distinguished himself among the other officials and satraps because there was an extraordinary spirit in him. Man, wouldn't it be great for people to say there's an extraordinary spirit about us? There's just something different. There's something about that person that just makes me want to know more about them and their God. The king throughout, uh, the king um, thought about putting him in charge of the whole kingdom. So the other officials and satraps tried to find something to accuse Daniel of his, in his duties for the kingdom. But they couldn't find anything wrong because he was trustworthy. No error or fault could be found. And these men said, we won't find anything to accuse this man Daniel unless we find it in his religious practices. So these officials and satraps went to the king as a group and they said, may King Darius live forever little brown nosing there. All the officials, governors, satraps, advisors, and mayors agreed with the king that he should make a, a statue and enforce a decree. And the decree should state that for the next 30 days, whoever asks for anything from a god or persons except from you, your majesty, will be thrown into a lion's den. Your majesty, issue this decree and sign it according to the law of the Medes and Persians. No one can change it or repeal it. Verse 9, so Darius signed the written decree. What is this story about? Regulated prayer? See, things haven't changed. Our government is still wanting to regulate prayer. They took prayer out of our schools in the 1960s, and we've seen such an increase in morality. Or not. They've taken prayer out of our football games. They've taken prayer out of government meetings. They're trying to regulate when and where we can pray, even though we are a land of freedom of speech based upon the principles of the Bible. Graduations. It seems every year there's graduations where somebody gets threatened that if they mention the name of Jesus, that they, they won't get their degree or their diploma. That's a shakable world that we live in. And Daniel shows us the first characteristic, and it's starting with the foundation. If you're taking notes, I've got three quick points I want to go through. Our foundation has to be built on Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. Just because I moved your seats doesn't mean you have to be quiet, okay? So we have to have our foundation on Jesus Christ. Why do we have to have our foundation on Jesus Christ? Because if we don't have our foundation on Jesus Christ, you know where we put our foundation? on ourselves. 
And when we put our foundations on ourselves, we base our decisions based upon our past experiences. So for example, if you did not have a successful marriage, in your eyes, marriage is bad. And you will tell a lot of people, marriage is bad. Marriage itself is not bad. The people that were in that marriage did not make right decisions. But marriage itself was not bad. But see, when we go through situations like that, it jades us in the way that we think. See, God thinks wholly. We think very singularly. So it's great that we build our foundation on Him. We need to have our foundation just like what is stated in Matthew 7, verses 24 and 27. It says, Therefore, anyone who hears what I say and obeys it will be like a wise person who builds their house on a rock. And the rain poured down, just like this morning in Mansfield, the rain poured down and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. And everyone who hears what I say but doesn't obey it will be like a foolish person who builds their house on sand. And the rain poured and the floods came and the winds blew and struck that house and it collapsed. And the result was total disaster. I was raised in Florida and I love to walk on the beach. It's just great. It's a great place to go, to pray. And one of the cool things about walking on the beach though is you leave footprints in the sand until a wave comes and it washes them away. Then we've got this wonderful place called Hollywood. That Hollywood, when they want to remember someone, they are going to put your feet print and hand print in cement. So that even today, you can go now and look at somebody's footprints or, or hand prints that have passed away. You see, sand is very temporary. And when we build our lives on sand, the things that are very temporary is going to amount for very little. And there will be very little of us to be remembered because we lived a very selfish life. But when we build our lives on Jesus Christ, and as Austin was sharing, we're designed to go out and just love people. See, when we go out on Thursday nights, it's not about forcing people into a decision. It's showing the love of Jesus Christ. And also, Don and I had the privilege of running into several people out on the dock that were already in church, but said, we need to be doing what you're doing. Now, our goal was not to make them feel like they're second-class Christians because they're not out handing out water bottles asking to pray with people. But it will challenge people. The way that we know what we're built on the sand or the rock is what's going to determine when the waves and the wind starts hitting our lives. In verse 10, we see Daniel is going to his room praying, and it starts showing us the second element to having an unshakable life. Point number two is that we need to live our life based on the Word of God. Live our life based on the Word of God. Now, why else would Daniel not stop praying when this decree was made? Because Daniel knew the Word of God. Daniel knew the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments was saying that you shall have no other gods before me. And when he stopped praying to God and started praying to Darius, he was placing another god in front of his great Jehovah. 
He knew the word of God, and he knew that it was wrong. He knew that it was a trap, but he knew that his God was greater than anything that this world or envious people or co-workers around him could set up for him. You see, if, Dar if he had prayed, he would have been replacing God. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people, or take the path of sinners, or join in the company of mockers, but rather he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. You see, he knew that he couldn't disobey the Scripture by listening to these people that were trying to trap him. Right now, in your life, there may be situations that are trying to shake your world. You may not even know what's up and what's down at this point. But you have to get into God's Word. Amen. You have to spend time in God's Word. Right. You need to be spending more time on God's Word than you are in Facebook. You need to be spending more time in God's Word than television. You need to be spending more time in God's Word than anything else other because that's going to be your priority. You see, Psalms 19, 105 gives some wisdom. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And Daniel knew this, which leads us to point number three. Prayer is also a key to the unshakable life. Prayer is a key to an unshakable life. He knew to depend upon God. Proverbs 24, 10 tells us, that if you faint in the day of trouble, your strength is small. I've, I've seen people fall apart over minuscule little things. And I've seen some saints of God go through horrific things and still keep smiling and still encouraging and still love. You wouldn't even know that their world had fallen apart. And I want to be that. I want to be that because God in me allows me. Daniel verse 16 chapter 6 verse 10 tells us that when Daniel learned that the document had been signed he went to his house an upper room in his house had windows that opened to the direction of Jerusalem and three times each day he got down on his knees and he prayed to his God he had always prayed praised God in this way so where did Daniel go after he found out about this document it's not a trick question where did he go to his room and what did he do he prayed. See, his time in prayer was when he received his strength. Amen. Someone once said that Daniel would rather spend the night with the lions than miss a day in prayer. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that was really the decision he was making. He knew that praying to God instead of praying to Darius was going to cause the lion's den. But he's, he counted the cost and said, I'm, I'm willing to pay that. Are we praying about the situations? Are we praying about the challenges? Are we praying for the people in our lives that, that seem to be so full of impossibilities? Are we as born-again Christians praying? If not, we're full of worry, and we're full of anxiety. I'm about to say something really smart here. Okay, y'all ready? If you're worrying, you're not praying. If you're worrying, you're not praying. And all this week, 
when there has been a temptation to worry about something, I said, okay, now I got to pray about this. I'm like, hey, it works. Because if I'm worrying, I am not praying. Because Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And then what happens? And then the peace of God that passes or surpasses all understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. You see, if I'm in that peace, I'm not worrying. But if I'm not praying, I'm taking all the situations onto my shoulders. I'm the one losing sleep. God's saying, hey, I'm up all night anyways. Why, why, why are you choosing this? Oh, I want to, God. I have three more texts to go, and then I'm going to try to close my eyes. No, you need to have one more prayer to go and then go to bed. We've got to think about this for a second. If we're worrying, we're not praying enough. You see, the thank you, God, for this food and blessed is not the prayer that God wants to hear when you're going through situations. He knows your heart. But is he hearing a forgiving spirit while you're praying? God, these people have been horrible to me, but you love them. And I just pray for them right now. See, that's the growth that we see when we start spending more time with God and less time with this world. Because this world will be all about getting back, backbiting, destroying, deceiving. And everything about God is blessing, keeping peace, keeping joy, promotion, and living a blessed life. When we're doing what God wants us to do, the situation sometimes looks hopeless. But a miracle is just around the corner. When you're going through a stressful job situation, I'm here to tell you that your miracle is just around your corner. When you're in a hurting marriage, I'm here to tell you today, your miracle is just around the corner. When you're standing and everyone else is bowing down, your miracle is just around the corner. You know what's also amazing about being unshakable is that other people are impacted by it. Because in Daniel 6, 25 through 27, it tells us, Then King Darius wrote to the people of every province, nation, and language all over the world, I wish you peace and prosperity. I decree that in every part of my kingdom, people should tremble with terror in front of Daniel's God, the living God who continues forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His power lasts to the end of time. He saves and rescues. He does miraculous signs and wonders and amazing things in heaven and on earth. This is a heathen king writing about our God because of what he saw happen in your lives. He saved Daniel from the lions. I read about a young Christian girl here in the United States, up in the Northeast. And her high school is 85% Muslim. And she was the only person at CU at the poll. You see, that's standing when everybody else is bowing. Would you have that fortitude to go and stand to mark yourself as a Christian with that kind of ratio of students around you? 
Would you be willing to go and stand at that pole for your Christianity when you know you're the only one there? I'm not talking down here in the Bible Belt. I'm talking about the real world. I'm talking about in your workplace. I'm talking about in, in, in your cubicle area. Are you willing to take a stand for God? You see, being unshakable doesn't mean that we won't face tough circumstances. Being unshakable doesn't mean that we won't have fears or weaknesses. Being unshakable means that we've built our house on the rock. So when we build our houses, we can build our houses of straw. We can build our houses of sticks. Or we can build our house on the rock of Christ Jesus. So what are we building on? What are we building towards? Because I'm going to tell you that there is going to be some huffing and puffing that's going to be taking place here in America. And it's going to be dividing those that are truly sold out for Christ and those who are just in casual acquaintance. It's going to separate the church because religious freedoms are going to be continually being taken away. And there's not going to be anything as lukewarm Christians. There are going to be those people that have made the decision for Jesus Christ and those who have bowed down to another. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like to lead everybody in a prayer. But are we being unshakable in a shakable world? Are we compromising in areas of our lives? Are we making decisions that we know are not right? And while your head is bowed, just ask God for his forgiveness. Ask God for his strength. There may be somebody in your mind right now that God is bringing that you need to forgive or that you need to reach out to. See, the Holy Spirit has a great way of doing that. You know, it all starts with having Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It all comes down to who we're made of. Some of the things that I've mentioned today are difficult on your own, but they're completely accomplishable with Christ, our rock, our fortress, our Savior, our morning star, our lion of the tribe of Judah, our day spring our Alpha and our Omega, our Morning Star. That's who resides inside you when you ask Him into your life. I'd like to lead everybody in a very simple prayer. It's asking Jesus Christ into your, into your life. And you'll say, why do you say the same prayer? So that we can learn it if you'd like. Because I believe that on Thursday nights we're going to be reaching more people. And you're going to get the opportunity to share exactly what I just shared with you to other people. It may happen tomorrow in your workplace. It may be happening in this week as kids go back to school. It may be as you're out watering your yard and the neighbor starts a conversation. And it's a very simple prayer. It goes like this. Would you please repeat with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died died. 
on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. I truly want us to be unshakable in a very shakable world. And for that, we need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time with each other. You need to go out to eat with somebody else in this church that just you've never spent time with. Get to know them. Understand their story. Let them hear your story. Encourage each other. That's what's called fellowship. That's what distinguishes us. We're great at casseroles, okay? We just need to love on each other. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. Would you please stand? I want to thank everybody who came last night to help us set up so that the Lakey family could take their daughter to school. In faith, I'm thanking you for tearing down so that we won't be here till late today. I want to thank you for coming today. And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So we go now in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.